Hey y'all, Seth Bradley here. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending your valuable time learning with us. Absolutely appreciate each and every one of you. I've got a small ask. If you'd please just take a few seconds and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from, it goes a long way in landing the best new guests for our show. That's it. Thanks again. Let's go. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Law Nation, welcome to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, your favorite place for learning about the world of alternative passive investing. And today we have an excellent guest, a little bit outside of the box, but hang with me here. His name is Trevor Oldham, and he is the founder and CEO of Podcasting You, the leading podcast booking agency for real estate investors and professionals. Podcasting You has worked with hundreds of folks to book thousands of interviews and raise millions of dollars for their business and for themselves. I really want you guys to start thinking outside the box while you're listening to this interview about how you might be able to go on other people's podcasts or even start your own to start generating business and developing business for yourself, for your firm, um, and for your business. This can be an incredible tool, and I can speak to that firsthand as I've been podcasting now for two and a half years. The amount of connections and networking and the skills that I've learned through this process are just unbelievable. They're, they're really unbelievable and you really can't even put a price on them. So think about this and how you might be able to leverage this tool for your business and for your career. All right, folks, let's jump in. Trevor, what's going on, brother? Welcome to the show. Hey, Seth, excited to be here. Excited to chat today. Yeah, absolutely, man. This will be fun. It's a little bit different than you know a lot of the guests I normally have on, so I'm really excited about this conversation. But first, let's jump into your backstory. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where you came from and take it back as far as you want to. Yeah, yeah, that sounds perfect. I would say right now I live in uh, New York, originally grew up in Massachusetts. So it's been good. A lot of uh, Yankees fans, which is a little tough to swallow, you know, being <laughs> from Massachusetts and, and being a Red Sox fan, but it's it's been good nonetheless. And really, you know, what I'm doing now is I run a company called Podcasting You, where I basically help folks get booked on podcasts, start their own podcasts, that sort of thing, you know, but it's been about what eight years in the making it was back in 2015 i had started my own podcast i was interviewing entrepreneurs and real estate investors I was running basically that podcast on my own for those first two years or so and realized i could probably make some money off this you know i'm not i'm not making any money off the podcast at that time and when i think back on it now i think back in 2015 we were getting about 2,000 downloads an episode and then for for some reason decided to stop running it. Not sure exactly why. Just sort of, <laughs> sort of I think got got burnt down. I think that was were great numbers then, and there'd be good numbers now for any podcast. But long story short, just started freelancing out the skills that I had learned, which was you know booking guests on my own show. So I was helping people get booked on shows. I was doing show notes. I was writing blog posts for folks, editing podcasts, pretty much anything I could do to make some money. And to give you some context, I was still in college at the time, so it wasn't like I could do it sort of full-time and just really did that for about a year or two again not really expecting much out of it and then after about that year or two realized like hey like this could actually be a, 
a full-time business. So I ended up bringing on first employee and then really just grew the business from there. It was sort of one of those things, not that I would say I lucked into because I had that prior experience and was using those skills, but sort of just was realizing people were going to pay me for this. So why stop now? And then over time, just continue to grow it and, and build it into the uh, the company today. And that's that's really, I, for long story short, you know, eight years condensed into about two minutes, but that's sort of how it went down. Yeah, that's awesome. And I always like to talk about inflection points on, in this podcast. And at one point, were you a W-2 before you kind of went out on your own and started this business? Yeah, yeah, I was. And I would say just because, you know, got out of college and stupidly came out with like 90,000 student loans. So use that W-2 to... <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that W-2 just having both incomes between like this company, you know, the company that I run now and the W-2, like it helped me accelerate the pay down. So it just made sense to to stick with it. And at that time, the business was only generating maybe like 10K a year, not even 10K a month, 10K a year and revenue before I realized like, oh, like I should actually put some energy in behind this. So it wasn't like it was like a, as big of a business today as it was back then. Right, right. So you, you're able to leverage both at the same time, pay down those loans. And then as the business grew, then you're able to kind of walk away. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, I can speak myself as far as kind of the awesome benefits of a podcast. We've been going for about two and a half years at this point. And, you know, and I'd love to hear your take on this, but from people that you've talked to, but like, you know, the biggest benefits I've seen are I've become a better speaker. I think that's one thing mm -hmm. I did not expect, right? Like just being on camera, um, being recorded consistently and just kind of speaking from the cuff, you just get better at being a, a speaker in general and having conversations with people and asking poignant questions and being a better public speaker generally. I think that's something that comes along with it. And obviously meeting great guests, networking, and you know, connecting with the listeners and, and hearing their pain points and, and their feedback. Oh, I couldn't agree more with that. And I know back in 2015, when I had my own podcast, it's like a public speaking course in college. And I found that not to be like egotistical, but I feel like I was so much better at speaking, you know, doing the public speaking because I had had my own podcast. When you've done, you know, 60 interviews, say for 30 minutes to an hour, and you're just talking to the guests over and over again, you know, you start to get better at it, you know, in the beginning, you know, probably embarrassing. And then also, like you mentioned, being able to learn from the guests that you have on, like I was able to bring on, you know, millionaire real estate investors and entrepreneurs. And here I was, the business wasn't even turning any revenue. And I get to spend 30 minutes picking their brain where, if I sent them an email and said, hey, can I pick your brain for 30 minutes? They're going to be like, no, get out of here. But the value <laughs> they get is, you know, they get to come on the podcast and they get to promote themselves and their brand. And, you know, that's the added benefit for them. So just it made sense as I was building up that business was to get it was to connect with those people that were already, you know, 10 steps ahead of me and really learn from them and shorten that learning curve as much as I could. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I want to transition a little bit. So a lot of our listeners are attorneys or doctors. They they have a high-paying W-2. Um, some are starting to transition into having a side hustle and, and becoming entrepreneurs. Um, but a lot of them already, you know, they're, they're doctors and attorneys and folks like that. So what are some of the ways that you think podcasting, either their own podcast or maybe going on other people's podcasts could benefit them? So I'll start with one. Like, let's say starting your own podcast. So there's a friend uh, I have, so he's in a passive investment group that I'm a part of, and he's an optometrist. I believe that's the correct way to say it. So he basically, he started a podcast on eye health and, you know, he's very local specific to the Ohio area. So obviously if someone's listening to it in, you know, Jacksonville, Florida, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you could imagine if you're a particular person that 
you want to get an optometrist, you go on Google, you type it in, and there's five different options in your local area. You click around to the sites, but then you see this particular gentleman's site, and he has a podcast, and he has 30 episodes all about eye health. You know, you're more likely to work with him versus some of the other optometrists where maybe they haven't updated their website in 10 years. They're just not in with it. So from that perspective, I think starting your own podcast, whether you're, say, a doctor or say you're even a lawyer and you're going very specific, whatever your law firm might do, say if it's, you know, personal injury lawyer, if it's a business lawyer, you know, there's so many different types that are out there. And then from our perspective, you know, in our company, we worked with two lawyers in probably the last two years or so. So just from their experience and why they decided to work with us was one, one, one was doing like LLCs. So he could do it basically all across the United States. So it made sense for him to go on podcasts because his company wasn't specific to that one specific location. And then the other gentleman, he was like an asset protection lawyer, where similarly, he could go across the entire United States. So it'd be a little bit trickier, like for this gentleman, the optometrist that had started his own podcast, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for him to go on other people's podcasts, you know, to make it like an active part of his marketing tool, because people can't work with him, you know, from other parts of the country, they have to be local to that, that specific area. But if he could, if he had was opening practices all over the country, then yeah, it might, it might make sense for him to go on other people's podcasts. But those are really the the two differences I found is how hyper-local are you? Can you go across the entire US? Then yeah, maybe make sense to start your own podcast and a guest. Or if you're just specific to your local market, then it probably just makes more sense for you to start your own podcast instead of going on other people's podcasts. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, you just kind of got to take a step back and look at your your business, how you're able to generate leads and kind of make an evaluation on that. Um, and, you know, just generally, though, whether you're starting your own or whether you're on other people's, I mean, what you alluded to, I think, is, is social proof, right? Somebody Googles you mm -hmm. and they see that you're on this, you know, you're a doctor and you're on five health related podcasts, they look at you as an expert immediately, whether or not you are or not. <laughs> just because that shows up on the search, you're like, wow, they must really know what they're talking about because they've been on these shows and they've been on YouTube and all this stuff. And you're like, you know, it's social proof that, you know, that they're an expert in whatever it is that they, they're, they're in. And, um, you know, the, the people that are looking for those folks, they're going to give them more, more credence from, from the get go. Oh, exactly. And I would say like something I found back when I was running my own podcast, you know, just more like say more for SEO purposes. It's like, let's say Seth, we had your podcast and you typed in, um, you know, passiveincomeattorney.com slash Trevor Oldham. Well, now everyone that's searching for my name, if you have a good website or you're building out your website, people could potentially click over to your site just because they searched my name. And we picked up a ton of website traffic for that. Now they see you know, they see me on your website. So then they start checking around on your site as the podcast host. So it just adds more credibility for you as well. And I thought and I seen that as an added benefit from starting your own podcast is just being able to pick up that organic traffic that comes through just from having those guests and putting their literally just first and last name in the URL uh, in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I can even, you know, add to it as a as a former practicing transactional attorney. I mean, we can practice all over the country. So it is a national practice. So if, if I back in, it, it's funny because when I was practicing at big law firms, I wasn't focused on business development. I wasn't focused on marketing. I wasn't focused on creating any kind of a brand for myself to generate business. I was just really focused on billing hours. And that's, I just had my head down and that's all I did. But really, if I would have at least put a little bit of time into 
you know, going on other people's podcasts, talking about real estate <laughs> transactions, talking about the legal perspective of things uh, on these different perspectives. And then, and then people would reach out to me and contact me for their deals. And I start rainmaking for the firm that puts me in such a better position than mm -hmm. what I was doing, which was just, I've got to bill all these hours. But if I started generating business, it, you know, I wouldn't maybe needed to, to build as many hours because I would have been able to just generate business and be a productive uh, potential partner for the firm. Oh, and I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with that. And I know early on, this is back at the start of the business six years ago when I was still learning and testing the waters, we worked with a lawyer and he was, I believe he was a LLC expert for real estate investors. And I think when I was working with him, I ended up stopped working with him just to some disagreements, long story short, but I think he, he sort of became on the podcast circuit. So he ended up going, you know, I got him on a few, then he, I get probably, let's say hired someone else to do it. And the next thing you know, you start seeing him everywhere. Then you see his name popping up and then he's going to conferences and speaking. And, you know, it might be a little trickier now. Now, you know, that was back in 2017 when the company started, you know, podcasts have gained a, ton, a lot more popularity, but it can definitely be done. Like if you're an expert at what you do and you know what you're talking about, you know, there's going to be people that find you. And then think about it, he went from going speaking on podcasts to now speaking at conferences and industry events and really being able to build that personal brand where people now look at him you know, like really as the expert, as the go-to person. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, a lot of people listening are probably thinking that, you know, they, they're saying, I don't want to go on a podcast or I'm really nervous about being on a podcast or maybe I'm going to make a fool out of myself. You know, what do you, how do you get people over that, you know, that confidence hump? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I would say one, let's say you're going out there and starting your own podcast you know, I'm a natural introvert. That's just how I operate. And starting a podcast was super, super tough for me. And I remember when I was back and starting my own show, I had a guest on his name is John Gordon. He's a very successful best selling author, a business author, and we had him on and I remember we butchered his bio so bad that he had to tell me how to read his bio for him, you know, and, and super embarrassing. And then I had another guy, Mike Dillard on another very successful online entrepreneur. And I forgot to hit the record button. You know, we do an hour interview. The interview is not recorded. So now I have to put my tail between my legs and, and go back to him. So like, that's just going to happen. And it really takes about, you know, five to 10 episodes of you interviewing people. Again, it's it's not a natural thing to most folks. You know, some people, maybe it does come naturally. But I know for me, it was like pulling teeth to get me to do those first couple of interviews. And you just kind of got to sit there and just bear it and grind through it. You know, it, again, it's easier than it sounds. It's going to be uncomfortable. And same thing with being a guest. If you're going out there and being a guest on podcasts, you think to yourself, you know, what, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to say? Uh, do I need a podcast mic? Do I need a background? Is there certain lighting? Now, I mean, there's so many things that you could go through where, again, you just got to put yourself out there as a guest. And again, it's going to be uncomfortable in the beginning. But once you get about five or so interviews in, you start to mold your story. You start to get an idea of of what the host is going to ask you of, of what's going to go on. You know, the podcast hosts themselves, you know, they're very nice people for the majority, you know, you're not on there, you know, maybe if it's a political podcast to have a debate, but you know, for the majority of hosts, it's going to be a nice, easy flowing conversation. So you don't really have that much to worry about just having a back and forth conversation like we are today. So it's, I get that fear that a lot of people have and that apprehension. It's almost like the fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. You're unsure what's going to go down. But if you think to your business and anything in life, you just kind of, again, just got to grin and bear it and go yeah. through it. Again, I know it's easier than it sounds, but it'll definitely be worthwhile. You just got to get to those first five episodes of interviewing people or first, you know, five to 10 interviews or episodes of you getting interviewed. And 
just sort of push past that comfort zone and you're like, wow, like this actually isn't as hard and, and as scary as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's right. And I, I, I'm the same. You wouldn't know it. I don't think a lot of people think that I'm an extrovert, but I'm not. I'm an introvert. And when I launched this podcast, I mean, I had to have every single word written down what I was going to say. Like I couldn't, I couldn't just say anything. I mean, everything had to be written down. Everything had to be verbatim. And even when I was reading, I was just so nervous. It was in, it, like listening to some of the old shows. I'm just cringing. <laughs> but, you know, like, again, with repetition, you just get naturally better at it. You just keep going. You get better at it. And you, again, you get those added benefits of becoming a better speaker and becoming a better conversationalist. And those are those are valuable assets that you can use not only on podcasts and things like that and business development, but just being a better person in life. Oh, exactly. And, and I remember when I was had that first podcast, I just had like a list of questions next to me, you know, to help me make me feel comfortable. And I would almost like pepper the guest, you know, I would ask them question one, then they would answer, I wouldn't even make a point about it, then go to question two, and then question three, then, you know, almost like an interview, an interview, almost like a, a job interview with the guest, not like, you know, back and forth, sort of interview. And then over time, you just realize you start to get the flow of it, you realize you don't necessarily need your notes as more Again, like anything else, the more time and effort that you put into it, it's going to be, it's definitely going to be worth it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let's transition into, you know, okay, we, we've overcome that fear. We're like, all right, we want to jump on a podcast. I'm an attorney. I want to talk about how to, um, you know, I want to talk, talk about asset protection and, and how to protect, um, you know, my, my wealth and my assets. I want to go on a podcast tour on other people's podcasts. How do I go about getting on other people's shows as a guest? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the first question you want to ask yourself, like, who's your target audience? So a lot of times you can figure this out pretty simple. Who's like your current customer? Who's your client that you work with? Like, if, let's say if you're an action asset protection specialist, like, are you working with doctors, lawyer, or let's say other lawyers, you know, let's say private injury lawyers, um, you know, real estate investors, whoever it may be, you know, folks that are going to have that high net worth to work with you, you know, that's where you first want to figure out. And then from there, it's really just like creating the pitch they're going to be sending out to the podcast hosts. And like, there's different templates that you can use out there. You know, even for like our clients, like we tweak it a lot for them, depending on if we're talking to like a doctor, if we're talking to a real estate investor, but you want to come up with like the pitch. And, and when you're doing it, going out there and creating the pitch, you want to make it specific to that host and their specific podcast. So like, what I like to do is like when we're reaching out to a show is enter a point of relevance to say, Hey Seth, you know, I, checked out your podcast, you had a recent interview with Trevor, you know, I really enjoyed it. Here's why so that they know it's not just the same cookie cutter pitch that you're sending out to every show. And then you can introduce yourself say, Hey, the reason I'm reaching out is um, I want to introduce you to Trevor, Trevor can talk about, you know, the benefit of podcasting, you know, here's his, uh, you know, here's his bio, you know, that sort of thing. In, in a nutshell, you know, it's obviously a little bit more into it than that. But that's sort of how you'd want to create your pitch at a basic. <clears throat> I always recommend a one sheet, uh, one sheet super helpful. For those of you who don't know what a one sheet is, it's basically like your resume for a podcast host. So like what I recommend our clients to put on it is like you put on your long form bio, you put on like, say, four to five questions you want to be asked and four to five topics that you can talk about. And it's just helpful for the podcast hosts themselves to be able to use that one sheet uh, to go off of it. And then I would also say from there, then sort of starting your out, starting your reach out to the shows themselves. So now you have your target audience, you have your pitch, say you have your one sheet. Now it's time, how do I find shows? So there's a couple of different tools that you can use. So you can use a tool called Listen Notes. So we use that tool for, for a while. There's another tool called 
Graphonic that we've been using lately that I like, and then you can use plain old iTunes. Uh, iTunes is a little bit trickier because if you, it's going to show you sometimes the top hundred, top two hundred of a podcast, and those are going to be super, super, super competitive. You know, they're going to be, you know, you're thinking of like your bigger pockets, your your Joe Rogan, the Dave Ramsey show. You know, I mean, you're talking the top of the top out there in the world. So I don't recommend using iTunes as much. Um, but I like those two tools, like I mentioned, list of notes and Raphonic. You basically can start searching for podcasts from there. So you can search, say, uh, let's say if you're targeting doctors, you can type in doctors. It's going to give you a list of all the doctor podcasts that are out there. And then you just go through one by one. Hey, one, does this podcast have guests on it? You want to make sure you're pitching a show that has guests on it. And then two, is it like relevant for what I'm talking about? Like, are they only, let's say if it's that optometrist that I gave an example, of, he's only bringing on other optometrists to talk about eye health care. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense for you to be on that show, but is he bringing, is he uh, say a doctor and he's bringing on real estate investors and maybe potentially other lawyers and it makes sense. So again, that takes 10 seconds to scan the podcast, see what other guests that they've had on it. And then from there, just, just sending out the pitch to the podcast hosts um, and then sort of just waiting back from waiting to hear from them uh, from there and, you know, following up with them in a week, if you haven't heard out again, you're, It'd be nice in a perfect world. You get booked on every single show you reached out to. Uh, that's not that's not going to happen. Obviously, you know, again, it would be nice. But even in the beginning, if you got like, a, let's say a 10% conversion rate. So you reach out to 10 shows, you spend an hour or two and you get one booking, you know, that's worth your time. You know, ideally you like to get that number a little bit higher. So you're not, you know, you can send more pitches or send, send the same amount of pitches and just get more bookings. Um, but again, that comes with time, time as you refine your pitch and mm -hmm. and tweak it and different things like that. But yeah, that's, that's really where someone would start when they're trying to find these shows to pitch themselves to and, and to find that sort of outreach. And then over time, you'll start to go on these podcasts and then you build out your story from there. You'll notice hosts will ask like, you know, give us an intro about yourself. And then, you know, the first time you do it, it might be uncomfortable. Then the fifth time you give an intro about yourself, it's, it's a little bit easier. And, and each podcast is a little bit different, but you know, you have your story at the end of the day. It's your own personal life. You know, you're not making it up. It's it's owned to you. So mm -hmm. it's going to get a little bit easier the more of these podcasts you go on. And then you might think after the show, hey, I had this story I should have shared on this podcast. And then you just keep that in the back of your mind. And the next show you go on, you you make a mental note and, and you're able to share that uh, that story that you wish you would have done previously. Yeah. Yeah. That's some awesome insight, man. I, I definitely took some notes there. And you know, the, the pitch matters too, right? And you can perfect that mm -hmm. over time. I know that when people reach out to me to be on this show, you know, if they say, Hey, I love this particular show about, you know, this particular topic and this is why, and there was just one sentence and I left you a rating review on Apple iTunes. I'm like, all right, this is cool. They took the time to do that. They left me a rating and review. I'm going to, at least if this guest works, I'm going to have them on, you know? And it, so that, that pitch matters and dialing that in, will get that percentage up as far as being able to get on a podcast. And the more that you get on, the more, again, somebody might search you on Google and you come up and you've been on all these different shows and they're like, oh, this person must be pretty good. They've been on the bigger pockets already. They've been on these other shows. I can have them on my show. So it builds over time as well. Attorneys, doctors, passive income seekers, I'm talking to you. I remember investing in my first passive real estate deal, the anxiety, the uncertainty of what I didn't know and what I had never done before. It was a lot of money being wired to someone I barely knew. Now, it all worked out, but that's not always the case. I would have never invested in that same deal today, now that I have the knowledge and the confidence to know how to invest intelligently. 
And now with a combination of uncertainty and a flood of newbie sponsors in the market, how do you find the true experts that will perform and make your investment successful? For those of you out there looking to learn how to invest passively in syndications, we've been behind the scenes working on something very special. You don't have time to go through a six month course or to try to make a program designed for deal sponsors work for you. You wanna be a passive investor, focus on your career and your family, but add cash flowing, appreciating commercial real estate investments to your portfolio. So you can practice when you want to and not because you have to. We've built a powerful passive investor program designed to teach you everything you need to know, but nothing that you don't. It's a four week program, but if you really wanna make moves, it can be completed in just a few days with ongoing support as you make your investment decisions. Passive Income Pro is enrolling now with a very limited number of seats for each cohort, so you can get the hands-on attention that you need. Go to PassiveIncomePro.io to learn more. Yeah, and that's a great point too. And I would say over time, let's say it's a, it's been a year and you've been on 30 podcasts, where now sometimes you might have people starting to reach out to you organically saying, hey, can you be a guest on my show? And that's, you know, that happens to me occasionally, you know, not that, not that often, you know, maybe once every two or three months, but it is, you know, I didn't have to do any outreach and they're just inviting me to come on their show. So that's a nice aspect of it too. The more you get yourself out there, you know, that more people reaching out to you to be a guest on their show, which is always a nice added benefit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then you'd mentioned, um, you know, putting a one sheet together. I mean, I know a good resource for that is Fiverr. I mean, you can get on Fiverr mm -hmm. um, and you can get one done for like $10. 10, 15 yep, bucks exactly. and it's done and it's done for you. you. Give them a little bit of information in your bio, a few topics that you want to talk about and a picture and they'll do it for you for 10 or 15 bucks. You've got a one sheeter. Now you look professional whenever you do that pitch and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it doesn't, it definitely doesn't have to be expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what could be a little bit more in, in expensive, I suppose, and a little bit more work would be starting your own podcast. Any pointers on that? If someone wanted to start their own show, I know there, you could talk about this for probably hours, but let's just maybe do some clip notes. Yeah, sure. So one, I would say just figure out like, what are you trying? What's like your topic? What are you trying to talk about? And again, you could go down that route. I know when I had my own podcast, I was just bringing on every guest that I thought was cool and interesting. So you could go down that route. I was just trying to interview as many successful people as I could. So I didn't really have that specific of a niche, you know, talk to, like I mentioned, investors, um, day traders, entrepreneurs, you know, pretty much anyone that was super successful, I wanted to have on my show, but now it's, it's a little bit trickier to do that. So I probably would say you probably want to make it more specific to that specific audience. So like, let's say if you're a doctor and you're thinking about investing in real estate and you only want to talk to passive investors per se, then only bring on passive investing guests. So that's first and foremost, figure out like, what are you trying to, who are you trying to talk to? And then two, like sort of lay out your strategy for your podcast. So you're going to do a weekly podcast, bi-weekly, monthly, you know, there's crazy enough people that do one every single day of the year, which is, <laughs> which is, which is pretty nuts. You know, I don't know if I would recommend that, but they seem to enjoy it, but you know, just figuring out that strategy. And then from there, I would say you want to build up a backfill of podcasts. So what I mean by that is let's say if you wanted to release your podcast, um, let's say tomorrow, you want to make sure you have about 10 or so episodes in there. Let's say, especially if you're doing a weekly podcast, things are going to come up in your life. You're going to have to cancel interviews. You're going to have to reschedule them. You don't want to have put out one interview tomorrow and have no other interviews scheduled. That's going to be very difficult to stay on top of it. Then you post one on, say, a Tuesday. 
Next one's like a week from Friday, then a Wednesday. It's just all over the map. The audience can't build a consistency. So you want to make sure you're posting at the same time, you know, every week, depending on when you're doing that. And then I would say just being professional, you want to make sure you have a good quality podcast microphone. So you can go on Amazon and you can get one. I personally use the Blue Yeti. I think it was like 130 bucks. You know, there's other ones that are out there. Again, just go on Amazon, Best Buy, just type in podcast mic, you'll find a good quality one. And then I would say probably from there, it's just getting started and just reaching out to either guests if you're going to be interviewing them, or if you decide to have your own solo show, just building out a list of, say, 10 different topics that you can start off with. And in the beginning, you might think like, if you are having guests, hey, who's going to want to come onto my show? Just like try to reach out to family and friends. Um, I know I built a Dream 50 list at the beginning, and I reached out to all 50 people, and I don't think any one of them ever came on. The show, I know Mike Dillard was on there and he eventually came on about six months later. But, uh, you know, that's something that you could definitely do in the beginning. But just reach out to friends, family, just interview them. Again, no one, unless you're like a super up there influencer with a huge following. In the beginning, no one's going to hear your podcast interviews. The majority of people aren't going to go back and listen to those first few episodes that you've done. So it's okay if you're just getting that sort of practice run with friends and family. And then, you know, six months, a year down the road, you bring on those more high-powered guests and, and that sort of thing. So I wouldn't worry about it too much in the beginning. It's sort of just getting started and, you know, getting the, over those so sort of uh, uncomfortable fears that you have. Yeah, those are all great tips, man. I mean, I, I think uh, an overarching theme is, is production over perfection. Like, just get it done because you can, you can spend hours or days or weeks um, trying to figure out what the best podcasting mic is, right? Like, you go down, like, the different electronics you can use and, um, you know... The, those are the rabbit holes you get down and then you never end up launching the show. It's like, just, just do it. Just launch mm -hmm. the show, get it going. You'll start seeing the tangible benefits from it almost immediately. And you're going to, you're going to enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, well, at least you tried. Right. And you know, a, a big thing is trying to stay consistent with it. Um, a lot of people quit pretty quickly because they see they're not getting any listens um, or views, but it takes, it takes some time and you, you've got to be consistent with it. And I would, I would recommend at least a year and then, you know, decide if you want to keep doing it. Maybe you enjoy it. Or if you're really trying to do it to get listens and you're not getting them, well, maybe it's not for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I would add in there too, like, if you're like, hey, where do I even begin with a podcast? There was, and I don't know if it's free at the time or if it's free anymore, but Pat Flynn from, he has a podcast called Smart Passive Income. Mm -hmm. He had like literally like a step-by-step -step tutorial, maybe like an hour and a half, two hours on YouTube that I watch for free. And then there was another entrepreneur, John Lee Dumas. He hosts a podcast called Entrepreneurs on Fire. And he had a course on Udemy. I think it was like 20 bucks. And he, you know, same sort of thing, outlines, you know, how to start your podcast, how to grow your podcast, how to monetize your podcast. So there's resources out there if you're not sure where to begin, where you can, again, you can go on Udemy, buy that course for 20 bucks. Hopefully still there. I'd imagine he wouldn't take it down because it's probably a nice profit generating uh, for him and then same thing with pat flynn on on youtube you know check him out he again he had those tutorials i don't know if he's charging for them now but there are the resources out there where you can reach out or you can not reach out to those folks but reach see their content and you know sort of use it to start your own podcast and that was super beneficial to me you know again i was just bootstrapping it you know i had i was the one editing it and you know, booking the guests and writing the show notes and everything like that. And you can learn a lot from those free videos that they put out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it might be beneficial to do a lot of these things at the beginning, just so you know how they work and what all work goes into the production of the podcast and that sort of thing. Um, but a lot of the folks listening to this show are busy, right? Like we've got families, we've got a job, we've got businesses. 
So maybe that's a good transition into talking about podcasting you and, and what your business does for folks. Yeah, yeah, that sounds perfect. So I'd say like first and foremost, like sort of our bread and butter is just booking booking people to go on other people's podcasts or booking, let's say Seth, you know, we're booking you on other, let's say real estate investing podcasts or other attorney podcasts. Like, you know, that's our bread and butter. And then over time, people just came to us and said, hey, can you help me start my podcast? Can you help edit my podcast? Can you do social media for my podcast? And it's not something like we actively promote, but if someone comes to us and needs the help with it, we just, we say yes. Cause like we're very, we're very specialized with helping real estate investors specifically or folks with a real estate background. Mm-hmm. So we never wanted to, branch out into too many other areas um, because of that one just hard enough to build a team of good booking agents, hard enough, you know, trying to build a team of podcast editors and, and things like that. But we do offer that, you know, I'm the one that takes care of that for our clients. Cause we do have a couple of clients where I edit their podcasts for them. I still do the show notes for them. Just, I actually enjoy it. You know, I listen to every interview in full, so it's more, you know, I learn a lot from it, which is a good thing. And sometimes I pick up clients from it, which is also another good thing. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I would say, yeah, our bread and butter, if you want to go out there and get booked on podcasts, we're the company to help you out. But if you're starting, looking to start your own podcast, uh, we have a great referral partner. We typically refer that out uh, to people. Just again, it's it's not our specialty unless they're a current client of ours. And, you know, we just added on as an additional service package for them. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that are listening might be interested in what you guys do because, uh, you know, I it, it takes a lot of work to do your own podcast. It takes some time. It takes a lot of time to record this. And even if you're hiring out folks to do a lot of the work, it still takes time. Like I'm still sitting here for an hour interviewing you, which is great. But, you know, people that have, you know, they're working 60 hours a week, it's going to be really difficult to, to work that in. So the best alternative might be to just go on other people's podcasts and become that expert and not have to worry about the production and interviewing people like constantly and just, you know, that constant grind that you have to keep up with, the consistency that we talked about. Um, but instead, you can just go on other people's, other people's shows and you can even hire somebody like yourself to get you on those shows and you don't have to worry about putting all the, you know, putting the pitch together and all that stuff because you guys would handle that. Yep, yep, exactly. Trevor, before we jump into the Freedom Four, what's one last golden nugget for our listeners? Yeah, I would say the last golden nugget that I would have is, that's a good question. I would probably say, and it goes back to just not having that fear of failure and just pushing through it, like whether when I was starting my own podcast and I messed up John Gordon's name or I was starting my business and you know, I had a real estate investor early on and I was pitching them to real estate agent podcasts and getting yelled at by all the agent podcasts because they don't have real estate investors on or pitching clients to shows that don't have guests on, you know, and just not letting that fear of failure, you know, come back to you and be like, wow. And saying to yourself, like, you know, I'm an idiot, but at least I'm going to learn from this and, and push forward again, you're going to look back. And if you're either going against on people's podcasts or starting your own podcast, you know, you look back when you first start and be like, wow, like I made some dumb mistakes, but here I am three, four, you know, five years later down the road and, and it was all worth it. So again, don't let that fear of failure stop you. Just push yourself out there. It'll all work out at the end of the day. Yeah. That's good life advice generally, right? Like have a little bit, have a sense of humor about yourself and, and, uh, you know, take yourself a little bit less seriously and, and you'll be a happier person for it. All right, let's jump into the freedom Four. it's time for the freedom Four. what's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? I would say it's, it's probably twofold. So one, working out every day, that's just been a big aspect of it too. And then, so I work out in the morning and then once I get back from that, I typically meditate for about five to 10 minutes before I start my work day. So I find between the two of those, 
you know, definitely if I had to pick one of the two, probably say meditation, just sitting down there for 10 minutes in a quiet space. And I do some breathing techniques. You can again, go on YouTube. You can learn those. I use the Calm app. You can pay for it, but I don't pay for I do you like the free version. All I need is like the background sound to help me get through it. So I don't use a guided or, or anything like that. I know they have a lot of good guided meditations on there, but yeah, just meditating each day. And I've been doing that, man, it's been a long time, probably about 10 years now. And that's just been, you know, just being able to be mindful coming into work and not be stressed out is, is, uh, is definitely very nice. Yeah. That's great, man. With all your success, what is one limiting belief that you've crushed along the way and how did you get past it? I would say the one limiting belief that I had was probably almost like the belief that people wouldn't work with me because I was too young. You know, when I started that business back in, even when I had my business back in 2015, I mean, I was 18 years old, you know, now I'm 26 and I'm working with these real estate investors and, you know, people are coming to us and they have, you know, 750 million in assets under management. You know, we worked with a company that had $5 billion in assets under management. And the hardest thing for me in the beginning was to work when working with these folks was, saying like, hey, why would they work with, you know, a 22 year old, you know, back when I started the business. So that was 2017. So I was 20 when I started the business being like, hey, why would they invest with a 20 year old? You know, I'm too young, like, they're not going to trust me. And I think really just over time, I realized it doesn't matter about your age, you know, whether I was 20 or whether I was 50, if I can produce the results for these clients, they're going to be happy. And you know, no one ever questions my age, you know, as long as I do a good job for them. I don't think anyone's ever said anything, you know, knock on wood in the six years of running the business. But that was just a big thing for me in the beginning was just thinking about my age and how no one would want to work with me because I was too young, where I realized that doesn't really matter as long as you can produce the results for your clients. Yeah, I can see that. What's one actionable step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom? I would say journaling. And that's a big thing for me is journaling. One, I journal every day to get my mind focused. So that goes back to meditation. And then two, at the start of every week. So I typically like to do it on Fridays. Used to do it on Sundays, but too much will get too much will get in the way in the weekends and it's unpredictable. But what I like to do is typically on Friday afternoons, and I try to set the same time every week between three to four PM. And I just write down everything that I need to get done in the next week. I just dump it all out, like, hey, this is exactly what I need to get done next week. And then I just break it down by like, hey, this is like the task that's most important. This is a task that you know, semi-important or three, hey, this is actually a task that I could delegate to someone on my team. And that's been super beneficial to me to go through every single week and just get everything out and be like, okay, I can do it or I can delegate it to someone on my team or hey, I've been doing this for a very long time. I don't want to do it anymore. I need to go out there and hire someone. Mm -hmm. And just by going through that process for an hour every single week just sets my week up for success. So that way, when I start my work week, say on Monday morning, I already know all my high priority tasks I need to get done for the week. And if I can knock them out on Monday and Tuesday, it's almost like, not that I do, but it's almost like you could take the rest of the week off and, you know, sort of cakewalk through it because you got those really high priority tasks done at the beginning of the week. So I think just getting everything down on paper and, and journaling it, uh, you know, will be super beneficial to get some of that freedom back into your time. So that way you're not just spending time on meaningless tasks just to, you know, feel busy. I love that, man. That's priorities. You've got to set those priorities and get those things that are going to move the needle done and out of the way first, because if you end up putting them on the backside of things, you're just going to be busy all the time, reading emails, answering emails, looking at websites, like doing stuff that, you know, it needs to get done at some point in the time, but it doesn't move the needle for your business or for mm -hmm. your career. You've got to do those big things first. Um, last but not least, how has passive income made your life better? Oh, it's been, uh, it's been good. I've started the process back in 
probably about August where I was like, Hey, I don't want to run this business forever, but you know, I've been investing in the stock market and I was like, I don't want to wait till I'm 60 or whatever, 59 and a half to get my money out. I was like, there's gotta be a better way. And it's funny because I run a business for the last three years with real estate investors, but it was also one of those things where I was like, I can never invest in real estate. I don't know what I'm doing. That sort of thing, you know, all those limiting beliefs. And then I learned about passive investing. And so now I'm in a deal on um, a triple net lease deal, a self-storage development deal, a multifamily deal. And then I'm, I also invest in a mortgage note fund. So right now it's not like super high up there, but I'm making about, so the multifamily deal and the self-storage deal, they haven't paid out yet. Um, triple net lease, they just finalized the final property of the fund. Um, between the two of those, it's like 125 bucks a month. But for me to realize once the multifamily deal and the self-storage development deal start paying out, it'll be about 500 bucks a month. And I realized like I run a pretty lean ship here, you know, especially I live in upstate New York. So the cost of living is pretty low. So I mean, like our mortgage and utilities is like combined, you know, let's just say for me and my wife, probably about 4,000, you know, and she has a good job as a CPA. So we're just splitting it down the middle, you know, it's $2,000 a month for me to cover what I need to, which is super cheap. Mm -hmm. And I know that, Hey, 500 bucks in the next, you know, year or so that's going to cover about 25% of it. It just gives me a lot more options. And then made me realize like, Hey, I'd rather have more cash flow and less tied to the stock market. And it just really just changed my whole investing perspective. And especially realizing like, you know, I'd rather just invest in hard assets, you know, and I haven't picked a specific asset class yet. You know, it's one of those things that you talk to so many different sponsors and they all sound great. It, you know, so that's why I'm sort of dabbling in the different asset classes and you know, trying to figure out which one I like best. But yeah, just the aspect of it, of knowing like, Hey, like 125 bucks is, doesn't seem like a lot of money, but like that might cover our, you know, our cable for the month or that might cover a week's worth of groceries and realizing like, Hey, like that's, that's pretty nice. And then, you know, the goal from here is to continue to take the money that I get, just reinvest it. And then eventually be able to get into another syndication or invest with another uh, GP and just continuing to grow it. And it just made me realize like, I don't need like $4 million to retire. I could have like a million dollars getting a 10%, say 8% return a year, getting 70, 80,000, you don't know. And if you're investing in the stock market and you're using say the 4% rule, you know, you're going to need a lot more money mm -hmm. than that. So it just changed my perspective on how much money I actually need to retire and allowed me to realize like, Hey, like, I don't, I don't have, I could retire at like 35, 40 with the track I'm on instead of retiring at 55, 60. And that saves what, you know, 10, 10, 15 years of my life of working. And, and it's not so much, I don't want to work. I just have that option not to work if I, if I choose to. And that's what I really realized from investing in real estate and investing in these assets made me realize through this passive income. Yeah. Oh man. There's so much in there, dude. You, you're speaking my language now. <laughs> <laughs> and you know you're just getting started now but like you know when those other income streams kick in you know that increases and then when you start refinancing these properties and you get a big portion of your original investment back and you mm -hmm. and you don't spend that you put it back into another investment everything starts compounding upon itself and you know obviously all the tax benefits that you get from it too um it really starts to take off and become its own kind of um investing machine in its own business mm, yep yeah, exactly and that's what i'm looking forward to <laughs> when i get that first big uh the first big uh, uh, investment back and being able to reinvest that it'll be it'll be nice. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Trevor, it's been awesome, man. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Yeah, that sounds perfect. So they can go to our website if they're interested in our services. That's just podcasting you. That's podcastingyou.com. Or they feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, just my name, Trevor Oldham. I think if you search it, um, my username which is Trevor J Oldham. Um, you'll see. You know, just you'll see my network. Uh, it's all about real estate investing on the profile. So. 
feel free to connect there as well and, and shoot me a message if you have any questions and I'll be happy to help you. All right, brother. Take care. Appreciate it. Travis Oldham, ladies and gentlemen, what an awesome guest, the CEO and founder of Podcasting You. I really respect his opinion. I loved how he took a deep dive into deciding whether or not podcasting is for you and for your business. And then once you decide that it is, whether or not you should start your own podcast or whether you should be a guest on other folks' podcasts. I know that both of those avenues has changed my life. It's been an incredible journey. And I'd be happy to chat with you all um, about the same for you and how it could change your business, whether you're a practicing attorney or doctor or W-2 or if you're an entrepreneur. All right, folks, until next time, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.